Welcome to Exploring Bible Prophecy with our teacher, Steve Butler. We are in a series right now exploring the important prophecy terms found in God's Word. You can follow along with our free study guide that you can download from our website. Simply visit whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Click on the program name, Exploring Bible Prophecy, and there you will find our free study guide. So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy. Hello, and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we are going to start exploring the scriptures that deal with the the comparison and contrasting, and it's almost all contrasting. The, the only real comparison in point number three is that both of them involve Jesus Christ. Other than that, it's quite different. And what am I talking about? Point number three on your worksheet, we're going to compare and contrast the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace or personal salvation. And this is on our worksheet that's available from this radio station, and it's entitled Important Prophecy Terms. And we are going through these, um, Son of Man versus uh, Son of God, Day of Christ versus Day of the Lord. Number three is now Gospel of the Kingdom versus Gospel of Grace. And as is the case with each of these seven sets, I'm going through these because as I started to prepare our next series, which would actually would have been series number two, which is an overview of the prophetic events that are going to take place according to my study of the Bible between now and eternity, which is, of course, covered in the last two chapters of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And as I went through, I kept coming across these terms, and I'm thinking that, hey, if people don't have a clear understanding of the distinction between these terms, they can be easily um, um, misdirected, uh, led astray in some cases, because there are uh, varying understandings out there from people who have uh, read the Scripture, but most oftentimes have read other people's books uh, with their understanding of what these terms mean, rather than going back to the source document itself, the Bible, and giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity to explain these to you. And a, a good example of this is uh, what we're getting into today. Last program, we had kind of an overview. Today, we're going to get into the scriptures and move along here and perhaps share uh, a number of points with you about the gospel of the kingdom that you may not be aware of. And again, that's the reason we're going through this. Um, there is a distinct difference between the good news, the gospel that Jesus preached to Israel during most of his ministry compared to the good news, the gospel that Jesus preached at the end of his ministry and which the apostles um, preached in the New Testament after the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Christ back to heaven. The gospel of grace basically being to the church while Israel is being put on hold by God. And I want to emphasize the word or the phrase put on hold because God has not forsaken Israel. God has merely turned his back for a time and partially blinded Israel while he turns his attention to the church through the gospel of grace. But before that happened, before Israel rejected Jesus in his first coming, his first um, coming to the earth, 
he preached the gospel of the kingdom, because in order to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. And Israel was looking for a king. And what I want to do uh, as a format starting out here is to give you an overview here of what we're going to look at in the scriptures. And then I want to give you an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture to make each of these points. Because as we go through a, a review of the gospel of the kingdom, I want you to understand and appreciate that we're talking about Jesus coming as a prophet, Jesus coming as a Messiah, Jesus coming as a king, and Jesus coming as a conqueror. Prophet, Messiah, king, and conqueror. The Jews were looking for that person. That is the person that was portrayed and and prophesied all through the Old Testament. So when Jesus came proclaiming himself as the king and ready to set up his kingdom, they were looking at a prophet, a messiah, a king, and a conqueror. And they didn't like what they saw, unfortunately, and that's why they rejected him. Then we have some attributes. So I'm going to go through and give you the Old and New Testament scriptures to show each of those attributes or, or um, titles, if you will, for this coming king that they were looking for. And then to look at the gospel itself. What was Jesus preaching to the people? And basically, uh, using the Old Testament, because that's all they really had at the time, and the words of Jesus, the understanding of the Israelites was that first, before the kingdom was set up, there was going to be a time of terrible tribulation. The uh, Old Testament is replete with descriptive terms of this short but very terrible period of time called the seven-year tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week. And they knew that this was a time, the Jews knew, that during this time, the enemies of Israel would be conquered, they would be judged, and also Israel would be judged. And we'll go through all of that. Then there was going to be a kingdom set up. And the key point to understand here this kingdom was going to be on earth. The kingdom was going to be on the earth, and the kingdom was promised to Israel. The kingdom was promised to Israel. And we need to understand that from the scriptures, because when we go to the gospel of grace, there is a distortion out there in the churches today that says, no, the kingdom was for the church. Well, there is a kingdom that we're going to talk about, but it's a spiritual kingdom. Jesus was prophesied to bring a physical kingdom to the earth, a literal kingdom in physical form on the earth. And he would rule and reign from Israel, and he would uh, all Israel would be saved through that tribulation period, so the people that were left would be righteous because their responsibility, as it was from the very beginning— when Jesus wed Israel all the way back in uh, Exodus chapter 19, was for Israel to take the gospel to the world, to take the good news that God is reigning on the earth through his son, Jesus Christ, and uh, give your life to Jesus. So who was this Jesus? Well, one of the key things to understand here is the promise of this kingdom did not include a cross. It did not include a death on the cross. 
it did not include a resurrection from the dead. No mention of resurrection anywhere. It was a works-based faith, a belief in God by following his commandments, his statutes, and his ordinances, and we'll talk all about that. And it was a righteousness, a maintenance or a maintaining of your righteousness to death that led to your salvation. Now, the thing to remember here, because you might be scratching your head right now, is that this is a one-time, one-point-in-time event when this happens. When Jesus sets up his kingdom, it'll be a singular event, as opposed to the church age where people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and they have been for 2,000 years, and praise the Lord for that. The kingdom, the judging, and then the setting up of the kingdom was going to be a singular point-in-time event. And you may ask, well, what about all the people uh, in the Old Testament and all the people in the New Testament up until the point where that kingdom was set up? What if they died? Were they going to heaven or were they going to hell? Well, we want to talk about that because those people, if they died in righteousness, would be in um, what we call Hades. Actually, it's the Abraham bosom side of Hades uh, waiting for Christ, uh, which ultimately would be the the uh, the death on the cross. They were waiting for him. See, to understand here that God is never caught off guard. God allows man through man's free will to do things, but God is omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he knows from the beginning what man is going to do. Otherwise, he would have never made the statement in the Bible, I can I will tell you the end of all things from the beginning. This has to be an entity, this creator God, creator God, that knows what every move of man is because God knows man's heart. So the point is that he knew, and through acts of righteousness and believing, for instance, you go all the way back to Abraham, Abraham merely believed what God was telling him, the word of God, and and Genesis says it was counted as righteousness to him. And uh, they understood what it took to be righteous before a holy God. And those people who died in the Old Testament, we uh, will ultimately see them, if they died in the Old Testament, as righteous, because they will be resurrected at the end of the tribulation, just like the church will be resurrected before the tribulation. So there's a difference, but the outcome is the same. It's uh, a glorified body living with God forever because of our righteous belief that led to salvation. But the key thing is that how you came about that is going to be different with the setting up of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus was preaching as opposed to the gospel of grace, which was merely an, a one, one point in time belief in Jesus Christ uh, that led to salvation. Uh, it wasn't a requirement to be righteous your whole life in order to be saved as it was for the gospel of the kingdom. So I want to go through each one of these um, attributes because uh, I've just got to believe that there are a number of people listening that have perhaps never heard this before, and they're thinking, boy, he better come up with some scriptures for this. And uh, if you have the worksheet as we go through here, you'll certainly see that uh, I have made uh, a considerable effort to, to try and make each one of these points as clear as I can. Because it's important, very important, as we look at prophecy, as we go forward 
in looking and considering what God's plans are for the world going forward uh, in the future, we need to understand the difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace. Let me make one more point before we get into uh, Deuteronomy 18, our first scripture. You may be asking yourself, okay, this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached, once, once Israel turned their back on Jesus and he changed from the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of grace, why should we even care about the gospel of the kingdom anymore because it's no longer applicable? Well, today, right now, today, you're right, it is not applicable. But, praise the Lord, Jesus is coming back. And when the church is raptured out and the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation begins, the Bible tells us that once again, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world because Jesus is coming back as the king to set up his kingdom as he was going to do the first time, except that Israel rejected him. And again, all within God's plans. You know, I always remember the uh, the verse from Revelation 13, verse 8, uh, and particularly in the King James Version, where it says that Jesus Christ crucified from the foundation of the world. Before there was sin in the world, in God's plan, Jesus came and was crucified because he knew the heart of man before man ever made, made a decision. That's the kind of God that we worship an omniscient, all-knowing God that is a loving God. He's a just God, but he's a loving God to those who obey him and know him through his son, Jesus Christ. All right, well, let's go ahead and let's um, get into our first point here. We want to, as we look at the gospel of the kingdom, uh, we understand that way back, 1,400 years, 1,400 years before Jesus ever walked the earth, um, he was prophesied as a coming prophet of God, and that they people, the, the Israelites, were admonished to pay attention to him, to listen to him, and if they wouldn't, they it would cost them their life. So let's go all the way back to the fifth book, the fifth book of um, Moses at the beginning of the Bible. You find uh, Leviticus and then Numbers, and we want to go to Deuteronomy, and we want to go to Deuteronomy 18. And if you have been with us on this um, teaching series for any length of time, you know that we have been in Deuteronomy 18 before because it's one of those key prophetic passages in the Old Testament that um, told us, prophesied about Jesus 1,400 years, as I said, before he ever walked the earth. And in Deuteronomy 18, starting at 15 here, It says, um, the Lord your God will raise up for you. By the way, this is Moses speaking to the people. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb. Horeb is another word for Mount Sinai where they got married. Um the Lord your God, in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire any more, or I will die. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. Verse 18, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen, 
like you, referring to Moses, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And of course, that question there at the end, or the statement, I myself will require it of him. What's the it? And that it refers back to the last of verse 16, or I will die. So the point is, God in his omniscience saw way into the future from the point in time where Moses is speaking here, that he would at the right time send a prophet, which is his son. We know this to be Jesus Christ. And he is admonishing the people to listen to him. And if you don't listen to him, you will die. I will require your life. So this is what the Israelites were looking for. They were looking for, in this particular case, a prophet. So we want to go now and leave Deuteronomy, as we're going to do for the next uh, several attributes of Christ here. We're going to go from an Old Testament passage to a new one. And let's go to John chapter 7. So... Let's go from way in the beginning to right towards the end of the Bible into the four Gospels and go to John chapter 7. We want to go to verse 40. John chapter 7, verse 40. And this is Jesus speaking to the people. And now that's talking about the people responding. It said, some of the people in John 7, verse 40, some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. This certainly is the prophet. And because the next point we're going to go to is Messiah, I just want to share very quickly the first part of verse 41. So verse 40, people were saying, this certainly is the prophet. Verse 41, others were saying, this is the Christ. And of course, Christ is another word for Messiah. So we're going to In our next program, we're going to look at the Old Testament and New Testament verses to corroborate the next attribute or title that uh, Jesus had at his first coming and the, the prophetic title, and that is Messiah. So we've looked at prophet. We're now going to look at Messiah in our next program. But now we want to transition, as we always do, over to our question and answer time. And we are looking at a question from a listener that asked, does the fact that Israel is the wife of God have any impact on end-time prophecy? And of course, uh, just as we alluded to here in the teaching program, we also made reference uh, in several programs before when we started um, answering this question that Israel was married to God back in Exodus 19. God made the offer to Israel in Exodus 19, 3 through 6, and Israel accepted the offer in Exodus 19, 8. And then we went through several Old Testament passages to show where God referred to himself as the husband of uh, Israel. And then we uh, went through several passages, particularly in the book of Acts chapter 15 and comparing it with Amos chapter 9, to show that there is a period of time in um, the biblical narrative where God turns his attention away from Israel and turns it to a people who were not seeking him, but would find him through faith and faith alone. And of course, we're referring to the church. And we showed where the church started at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And the church will end as an earthly entity 
with the rapture of the church, which I believe is the next prophetic event on the prophetic timeline. Uh, but that's sometime in the future. We don't know when that's going to be. Although it does tell us we can know the de- the season, and I believe we are in the season. We're right at the end of the 2,000 years that's talked about in Hosea chapter 6 for the time of the church. Of course, it doesn't talk about the church. There in Hosea 6, it's talking about um, Israel having God turn his back on them for two days or 2,000 years. And then on the third day, they will be blessed. And that's a reference to the millennial kingdom. So it was to show that, yes, God's primary focus is his wife, Israel, but there's a period of time called the church age, which we're in right now. And uh, thank the Lord for uh, Israel's disobedience, because if they had been obedient and recognized Christ when he came, there'd have been no church. So think about it that way. God knew that. And that's what we learn from the Bible. But it's uh, sometimes you think, wow, there could have been a time with no church. But that uh, didn't happen that way in God's plan. And uh, we have uh, now been able to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and praise the Lord for that. Then we went uh, in our last uh, program or two, we were looking at some key passages, principally in the Old Testament, to show the importance of Israel to God and what Israel's role uh, God-given role was in the world uh, in the beginning when they, they were first um, uh, understanding their position and their relationship with God after they had been married in the wilderness at Mount Sinai. So I wanted to start out by going to Deuteronomy chapter 4, which was the last thing we talked about in our last program to just kind of bring us up to speed. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we looked at um, verses 5 through 10, to give us an idea of God's plan for Israel and how the world would react. Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting at verse 5, and it says, See, this is Moses talking, See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land when you are entering to possess it. So keep and do them. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as is the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and grandsons. Verse 10, remember the day you stood before the Lord at Mount Horb or Mount Sinai when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words, so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. So we see, I hopefully see very clearly here, the role that God had for Israel, that he would give Israel his law, that Israel would keep that law and live and abide by that law and teach it to their children and that the nations, as we see in verses 6 and 7 uh, and 8 in this passage right here in Deuteronomy 4, 
the nations would see and be drawn to this people, Israel, and their God, and they would learn, they would see how God and his people related to each other, and they would say, I want that too. That was God's intention, was to basically bring a knowledge of who he is to the world through Israel. And of course, we know that Israel did a fairly poor job, a fairly poor job of that, but they will do a very, very good job of it in the millennial kingdom because um, we'll find out here that they, um, they will be the dominant ethnic group in the, in the millennial kingdom, in the world, and all the other nations will look up to Israel in that millennial kingdom. Now we want to go to um, the next verse to, to show you God's plans uh, and to show you that his plans are for his wife, Israel, and not for the church originally. Remember, Israel had to turn their back on God before he turned his plans from Israel to the church through his son, Jesus Christ. So we go to the book of Daniel, to the famous prophecy chapter, chapter 9, and we want to look at chapter 9, verse 24, chapter 9, verse 24 of Daniel. And again, this is God uh, sending his message, in this particular case, through the angel Gabriel, who is speaking directly to Daniel. And it says in verse 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. So it's very, very clear that this 70-week period is for Israel and Israel alone. And it says during that 70-week period, at some point, It says this 70 weeks is to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Well, verse 24 of Daniel 9 can be a teaching teaching series in and of itself because each one of those things that has to take place is a ma- is a study in and of itself. And uh, we can do that at some point if you're interested in that. But I can tell you, uh, matter-of-factly, that of all of those points that are made in Matthew 24 that will happen, there's only one that's already happened, and that's the atonement for iniquity. And of course, that was the cross. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Everything else is not going to happen until the millennial kingdom when Israel is um, judged by God and those who make it through the tribulation will be judged by God. And we'll talk about that in our next program um, to show that the ones that remain after the judgment are righteous. And they are the ones that are going to be entering the millennial kingdom and will be uh, forgiven of their transgressions, forgiven of their sins, Uh, bring in everlasting righteousness, and the holy place, the millennial temple, will be uh, anointed. So it's going to be a wonderful time for Israel, but the point is, it's Israel-focused. The wife of God is the focus here. The church is not involved at all. So as I said, we'll continue this in our next program as we look at the, uh, the next point here, and we're going to be going to Jeremiah. Remember, if we don't talk again... I'll be seeing you in the air. 
Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for the unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.